Hey out there to all people and the lab employees. This is Up All Night, a horror anthology podcast. I'm Brandon, and with me is the guy who knows every word to the camp song, Cortland. How are you doing, Cortland? I'm doing good, Brandon. You know I don't know any of those words. <laughs> no, who would? I didn't even grab a clip of it when I edited the first part. Oh, maybe I should redo that. I, I nah, still want to know what that one line was. I'm sure it was just some variation of like, hey, don't don't cry or be tough or whatever. But man, it's a mystery. Yeah, right. <laughs> so what have you been up to this last week? I've had uh, an, an interesting week. All right, moving on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I had something happen to me, Brandon. Um, yeah? Do you have any fears about things that you know is never like going to happen, but you still worry about it? I feel like everybody does. Yeah. Yeah, I say I do. Yeah, I got a couple of them. Like, you know, getting shot in the back of the head in a movie theater or like, you know. Mm -hmm. I had one happen to me the other day. You got shot in the head in a movie theater? No, not that. <laughs> not that oh, one. God. I don't go to movie Whew. theaters, Brandon. <laughs> Good, because I don't want to do this podcast alone. No. So one of my fears is that when I start up a grill, like a propane grill, that it's going to explode. It's just going to yeah. explode on me. Okay. Well, <laughs> I was uh, I was I was starting up my grill uh, earlier this week, and uh, you know I put on I, I turned the knob, I got the gas going, I, I flipped my knob so that it's gonna you know light up on fire, or whatever. Right. I stick the, stick my lighter in the grate, <laughs> I turn it on, <laughs> and this fireball <laughs> just went. <laughs> How big of a fireball are we talking about here? It was it was like the entire top side of the grill. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm smelling like singed hair and I'm like, oh my god, I don't have any <laughs> oh, <no>. eyebrows or something. <laughs> like I don't have any hair, so I knew it wasn't that. Right. I go inside and I look at my arm hair and I don't have any arm hair anymore for like the first couple oh, of like, no. the first inch of my arm is just not arm hair anymore and it's all singed <laughs> and gross. <laughs> oh. I mean, compared to what you were always afraid of happening, like that that's not too bad. No, right? Like I didn't explode and die or anything. Like I didn't take out half my house or anything like that, but No. You're going to have like, to do better than that, hair. propane. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry to hear that. Rest in peace, arm hair. I know. It smelled so gross. I hate the smell of sizzled hair. <laughs> it's got all these little nubs on my arm now, too. It's Even like the gross. sound of the words. <laughs> Ugh. You got, like, little arm hair nubs, and it's all sizzled back. And <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's wow. Yeah, so, like, that was my week. How was your week, Brandon? Ah, pretty boring. That's all right. Did you beat Resident Evil 8 yet? No, I just played it today. Um, I mean, just tiny spoilers or whatever. There's this part where you're running away from a, a giant baby fetus that's crying at you. Oh, okay. Well, it was a little too spooky, so I had to play it. <laughs> I had to play it with the sound off because it just kept crying and like being like, ga ga goo goo. And I just I found that really terrifying for some reason. <laughs> well, when you think about it, babies are the scariest thing. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. So that's been my entire week. Awesome. Baby sounds nice. <laughs> Getting over that ranch drink, you're good to go. Oh, I still think about that ranch drink. Yeah. Well, you know, I worry about getting shot in the back of the head in a movie theater, and you worry about your drinks tasting like ranch soda. So, yeah. yeah. Two very big dangers. Yeah. <laughs> I assume it's just a, a matter of, like, an acquired taste, though. If I get, like, a 20-pack... And just sit back on my couch and pop open ranch soda and chug that. I'll get yeah, used to it. That sounds super unhealthy. <laughs> I'll just cut out the middleman and get a bottle of ranch. Let's just put you on an IV drip of ranch soda, huh? How about that? <laughs> That's disgusting. All right, <laughs> moving on. We've got to talk about some goosebumps. Yeah, we should. We should talk about it. This is Welcome to Camp Nightmare Part 2. Mm -hmm. What did you think about Part 2, Cortland? Oh, Brandon, it was really good. Um, I liked almost all of it. <laughs> I was going to say, when you said it was really good, I was going to, my first question was going to be, the whole thing? Yeah, I liked just about all of it. Uh, <laughs> super solid acting all around. Um, I liked the camera work, was 
was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the editing was perfect. Uh, it was tense. It was exciting. I liked it a lot, for the most part. All right. Well, I assume we'll get to the parts that you didn't like as much. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> we'll just skip that part. That's what they should have done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm just going to skip entire scenes here. <laughs> and we get to the end. <laughs> now, we'll start from the top. All right. Which is a recap of part one. You know, yeah, it's a long predictably recap, enough. too. It is. It's it like really three, is. It's like two and a half, three minutes, and it's great. Yeah. I gotta, I'm gotta. i just going to steal your thunder, Brandon. The best part is that we get to see Colin wiggle under the bed again. <laughs> <laughs> we get a lot of wiggling. It's so good. It's so good. So we mentioned it in last episode that that, that like entire first sequence where... They get to the camp and Saber pops out and the explosion. Like, that whole thing's in this recap almost. Yes. Mm-hmm. They knew which important parts to include. So after two and a half minutes or whatever, <laughs> we finally get to the end of last episode, which was the door of the cabin opening. And we continue there with the door still opening. Yep. And it's Larry, the camp counselor. Fucking Larry. I thought yep. for sh- I thought it was going to be, um, I thought it was going to be Roger for some reason, um, even though this is just Final Destination for children. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, it would make more sense to be something that's not scary, because Larry's still like, if he opened the door, I'd be like, ah, it's Larry! I know, under the that bed. fucking bowl cut! <laughs> Those teeth! <laughs> they are magnificent teeth. Yeah, he's just got horses. <laughs> So Larry's there. He's wondering, what are you guys doing out of your tents? Because remember, it's survival night or whatever. Yeah, I don't remember if that was in the recap, so. (laughs) Nope. Colin, who's tucked under the bunk in his sleeping bag cocoon, yells at him to close the door. Larry says, what? You scared of mosquitoes? And Jay says, nah, son, Saber's out there. Yeah. But Larry don't care about that. He's just upset that they went to the forbidden bunk. Yeah. Colin says something about people screaming, but Larry kicks him in the head until he slithers back <laughs> underneath the bunk. Yeah, and he he already threw a baseball at the back of his head, so I don't... <laughs> Larry's the worst. I love that. He, he pushes his head, and Colin's like... <laughs> it wiggles back. It's great. It is. It is. Jay mentions again that Saber is out there, and Larry again says, You guys went to the forbidden bunk. He threatens to tell Uncle Al, adding, He's gonna kill you. Yeah, he put a little emphasis on that, too. Yeah, so I was like, He put some sauce on it. After Larry leaves the cabin, the boys are shocked that he didn't believe that a giant wolf beast is just out there murdering campers. Who would have thought? Yeah, right. Well, especially because you can hear it, like, howling and also tearing people apart and shit, so. Yeah, he does roar and growl a lot. <laughs> and speaking of, they hear a loud roar. I wonder what that could be. Colin's like, oh shit, we gotta go get help. And Jay's like, dude, that's crazy. But number one camper Billy suggests that they all just hang tight and take turns watching the door. Yeah, so they're gonna stay up all night. Up all night. <laughs> yeah. And uh, take turns, like, being on guard. A mm-hmm. great concept. They ask who should take the first watch. And Colin takes that as his cue to slither back into his hole. <laughs> Billy, of course, volunteers to stand guard. Yep. He sits with his back to the door as Saber continues roaring into the night. Now we actually get to see Saber again, walking through the woods. Or rather, like, his puppet-looking thing is wheeled through the woods. It looks yeah, weird, but it does. I still think it's, it's like, scary-looking. It's cool. Um, they did a good job of it. I don't know how it's a nice monster Sabers effect. envisioned in the book, but I take it that they uh, like recreated it pretty good. So I think they're just like werewolves in the book. Uh, that's what I would imagine, yeah. But it's now morning. Billy gets up and wakes up the other two boys. This is bullshit, Brandon. <laughs> Billy stayed up all night. He's like, yeah. all right, I'll take first watch. And then he takes all the watch. <laughs> I knew. I knew as soon as he came up with the idea, they were like, all right. You have fun with that, Billy. Uh, it's so dumb. Like, he's inside the camp, like, looking at the looking out the window or whatever. It's dark outside, and then it fades to light, and he's still there, awake. Like, he didn't get any sleep, and he was the one that did all the work. Mm-hmm. And you know he's not going to say anything about it. No, because he's Billy. He's incredible. <laughs> yes. He's the perfect person. He's beautiful Billy. I actually really like Billy, so, like, 
He's great. Yeah, Billy's good. There's no complaints with Billy. Jay asks Billy what time it is, and Billy, helpful as ever, says, It's day. (laughs) Colin casually mentions that they've probably found Roger by now. Like, they aren't Mm -hmm. just talking about their friend's mutilated corpse. Yeah, he's. they found his shredded up <laughs> clothes and bones, and it's like, oh, here's a leg, you know. They probably found pieces of Roger. <laughs> his mouth. <laughs> yes. The only part no one wanted to touch. <laughs> Billy declares that they have to go tell Uncle Al what happened, and they all cautiously leave the cabin. At the lodge, we see a bunch of no-name kids poking at their food sludge. Oh my god, those kids were so dumb looking. <laughs> yeah, they're not great. Larry, however, is eating a gourmet breakfast. Yeah, but what was it? I, I don't know. It like was it... food. It was food product. I could see bacon. I think Canadian bacon. He cuts into something, and it, I don't know if it's a pancake. That's or if it's the like thing. A steak? Is it supposed to try and like? The way he said, like, oh, Uncle Al is going to kill you. Like, are we trying to think that this is, like, Roger bits, you know? I could not tell. Or Mike. And I thought both steak and pancake, just like you said. It's a slab of something. Yeah. Like, even Larry doesn't know what it is. Like, he cuts <laughs> it and looks at it and he's like, eh, whatever. And then he eats it. And it's like, I think maybe that's the point, is that they're trying to make it ambiguous. So, like, you don't know if it's supposed to be one of the kids or if it's supposed to be food, but... I liked it. (laughs) I just read it as, like, it was supposed to show that, like, the counselors and the kids are treated very differently. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are. But still, I don't know what they're eating. I just know that it's better than the sludge that the kids eat. (laughs) Than the gruel, I suppose? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it might be some tasty-ass gruel. I don't know. But I don't think so. Larry brings his fork down for another bite of his slab. But Billy pushes his fork down with a spoon. Yeah, it's great. Billy's looking for Uncle Al. Larry tells Billy to take a breath. And I feel like we've seen this whole sequence before. Yeah. They go back and forth just like last episode. But it ends with Larry saying that he's the boss now. And tells the boys to get their swimming trunks on because they're going to the lake. Why would Uncle Al make him in charge? He doesn't even look like he's the oldest of the counselors. Um, because he's like almost assassinated one of the boys and that like wins him some kind of prestige i guess okay yeah the ranks are based on kill count (laughs) sabers number one we're in the woods now and jay is wondering why no one else seems to care that kids are disappearing and dying colin says hey at least my head is feeling better Mm -hmm. but jay is like fuck your head our two friends corpses are probably rotting in the forbidden bunk right now and it just so happens that they're also standing right next to the forbidden bunk. oh my god right they they mentioned the forbidden bunk and they look over and the camera spins over to it it's pretty perfect like don't talk speaking of the forbidden forbidden bunk bunk. (laughs) it's right behind us it's chasing us (laughs) oh it's another green screen just like cuckoo clock of doom (laughs) chased by a bunk do they think saber lives in the forbidden bunk I feel like the Forbidden Bunk is just, like, this thing that they have to include in there because it's in the story. I feel like maybe it's more important in the book or something, but, like, I mean, spoilers, we go into the Forbidden Bunk and it's not as exciting as this episode is trying to make it out to be. No. It's definitely just, like, a mysterious thing, but the mystery is definitely better than the answer. Yeah. Um, I like the acting that, like, Jay in particular does here. Um, I thought their their line delivery and everything was really good. I think just about everybody's good in this episode. Yeah, it was uh, it was solid. One thing I will say is that most of the people who were in Are You Afraid of the Dark that we were like, hey, they're in this. Like, they're not in this. Like, uh, the girl from Night Nurse. Oh, yeah. Like, she doesn't come back. I was like, no, of course doesn't. she'll be back. Like, why would you get that amazing young actress and have her do absolutely nothing? But yeah. that's what they do. I, I hope that's not the case for a lot of them, because at least, like, Jake from Jake and the Leprechaun, he's pretty prominent. And, I mean, Zeke from Dead Man's Fool, he's a main character in this one. So yeah. I hope we get more of that rather than uh, Hillary, uh, what's her name, just kind of in the background for some reason. The child actor pool in Canada doesn't seem to be that large, so <laughs> just grab who you can. Yeah, right. It's like a vending machine. So Billy thinks that this is a great time to split up and tells the boys that he'll meet them at the lake. 
and Billy is now making a detour to the camp's phone. I gotta say, Brandon, I didn't know what was going on when he said, I'll meet you at the lake. I thought he was going to the lake, and I thought the two boys were making a detour somewhere, and I was very confused for a moment, and then I felt like an idiot. So, just want to put that out there. Yeah, well, when I was writing my notes, I was like, when he walked up to the phone, I was like, oh, this is the phone at the lake. They just have a lake phone. That's, yeah. Exactly. But then I had to delete all that because he's not at the lake. No, he's just at a different cabin that has a phone attached to it. Yes, he went to the phone. But the phone is busted. It falls apart in his hands just as Uncle Al <laughs> appears behind him asking what he is doing. It's great. Like, the receiver just kind of melts in his hands. <laughs> yeah, it's just pieces. No one's ever touched it before. What are you doing? Billy tells him that he's just making a call. Uncle Al says, To your parents. It gets just really tense hi. for a moment, and that creepy music kind of plays, that music that's like whenever anyone sees a ghost or an alien in a TV show. Yeah. And then Al starts laughing, <laughs> because the phone isn't a real visit. phone. Uncle Al put that up <laughs> as a goof. It's a goof! <laughs> Tis but a goof. Like... Just stop and consider that joke. That he like he bought a phone and he was like, "I'm gonna put this phone near this cabin so like when kids try to call anyone, it will just not be real. It just melts in their hand. Like that's not funny. Nah, it's pretty stupid. It's not funny at all. He does make a good point though because there's no wires attached to it or anything like they don't get no fucking phone service out here billy what the hell is wrong with you yeah that's his excuse that they're way out in the middle of nowhere but i'm not buying that you can get you can get phone service in antarctica so yeah vink in his shack in the middle of the phantom forest or whatever like he had a phone <laughs> yeah he was prank calling people like it's possible yeah. but billy is like haha good one but where's the real phone and Al gets serious again and says, there is no real phone. Billy says that he's just homesick is all. And then Al replies that that's why he demands every child to write home every day or else. Yes. But then he gets cheery again and says, go have fun with the gang at the lake. But Billy just has to know if Al knows anything about Roger. And Uncle Al stops really close to the camera and his face gets menacing again. And then the music gets yeah, really yeah. dramatic. And he says... I checked the files. There is no camper up here named Roger. No first name, no middle name. No Roger. So good. I liked it. Yeah. Like, this guy is fantastic. He goes from, like, really dark to cheerful, like, back and forth in every scene constantly. Yeah. Like, he's just trying to hold it together and put on this mask of, like, oh, hi, I'm the, you know, the camp director. I'm your friend. But then, you know, he's hiding some shit. Yeah. And it, it's a constant back and forth, and it's really good. I like it a lot. Mm -hmm. I like Billy's reaction to all this, too. Billy doesn't know what to think. He knows something's up. And, you know, Al's constantly trying to gaslight him, but he's just like, yeah. oh, I'm not sure about that because uh, that's completely false mm -hmm. every time. He's got balls, this kid. He does. As a kid, I would just be like, whatever you say, adult. Yes, you know. I know me too. <laughs> <laughs> you know everything. Yes, Cap Counselor, you own this place. <laughs> what do I know? I'm just fucking Billy. <laughs> Billy does this really cool thing. Okay, so this is when I really appreciated Billy as like the actor himself that plays Billy and then Billy the character because, mm -hmm. you know, Uncle Al is like, yeah, Roger doesn't fucking exist. And Billy knows that Roger exists because, mm -hmm. you know, they talk to him and everything. But, like, yeah. the reaction he gives is he kind of, like, looks at the ground and thinks about it for a second and then he walks away. And one of the coolest parts about Billy to me is that he knows when to strategically retreat, I suppose, instead of yes. getting into his face or, you know, like, running away screaming or whatever. It's really cool. He knows when to hold him and when to fold him. Yeah, exactly. Like, he knows when he's not going to get any further in this conversation or when it's going in circles and, you know, it's not going to help to argue. Yeah, like he doesn't prolong this stuff. Like he gets what he needs. He's like, all right. He recesses. He's like, all right, I've got 20 minutes. He goes Gotta to wrap the, this shit up. Goes to the lake and he has a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Al says to that, get to the lake, Billy. And we cut to the lake. 
where Jay and Colin are doing a very poor job at paddling a rowboat. Billy arrives, and Jay yells at him to go grab a paddle and swim out to the boat. Dude, uh, this whole thing with them in the canoe, um, I don't know how many people listen to our <laughs> our improv Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, but this is essentially what we did <laughs> when we improv in Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. <laughs> You're right. It is. <laughs> they're sitting in this canoe in the water, and they're both swimming like in opposite directions, so they're not doing anything. And they're like, "This is fucking great, guys! This is awesome!" <laughs> <laughs> so it's so ridiculous. Yeah, they stole it from us. They did. R.L. Stein, you owe us royalties. <laughs> you hack. <laughs> it was great. I love this scene. Larry arrives on the scene and is just furious to see that they are out on the boat without life jackets. So he really does care for these kids after all. Yeah, it's very I was heartwarming. Like, Good on you, Larry. I don't know where this <laughs> is coming from, but like, wow. He just loves them. <laughs> Jay says, nah, we'll be fine. But Larry insists that they paddle the boat to shore. But from the look of things, it seems like it would take them like a few weeks to navigate the boat. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> They're not even that far away. No. <laughs> They're, like, within, like, a meter stick away from them. But Larry is a busy man, so he decides to just throw the life preservers to them. He tosses them, and somehow both boys fall out of the boat trying to reach for them. Well, to be fair, Brandon, we talked about this before. It's a canoe, and canoes are, like, the worst. You have to be super focused in your center of gravity or else you are in the water. I've never been in a canoe. I guess it shows. It's hard. It's very difficult. Colin starts panicking instantly. He's not a good swimmer, he says. Larry says, you don't have to be, you jerk. That's what the life jacket is for. It's a good point. Not gonna lie. <laughs> I like that. Billy shouts at him not to panic, but that ship has sailed. Colin slips under the water, and Jay offers to get him, but he disappears too. But Billy didn't become King Kid for nothing. He's going in to rescue the boys. Larry says, What are you talking about? You want to go under too? And he physically attempts to stop Billy from saving lives. After Billy gets into the water, Larry says, I was not here. I never saw any of this. It was so funny. He backs up and runs away. Yes, that was fantastic. Yeah, I love it. Larry sucks a lot, but, like, he did come and try and give them their thing. Like, the, he tried to give them the life preservers. I don't know why, though. Like, it's such a weird change of character for him and then. Like, I know he kind of redeems his, uh, like, assholishness by running away, being like, oh, he's never here. But at the same time, it's like, this is a really weird character trait for Larry. Maybe he knew that they would kill themselves. Yeah, maybe. He, tr- he tried to come and save their lives and <laughs> killed them both in the process. Yeah, it is his fault, even though Colin never should have went on that boat if he didn't know how to swim without, you know, having a life vest on, but... I don't know. You make a lot of risks when you're a young kid at summer camp trying to impress strangers. There's nobody else there, though, Brandon. (laughs) There's nobody else anywhere. Like, this camp is, like, the least lively-looking place ever. There's only ever a tiny group of kids anywhere around at one time. Except in the lodge. Yeah, and at the baseball game. But yeah, it's vastly understaffed and under like represented, and I don't get it. It does seem like a big camp, though, so I guess they're just all doing their own thing somewhere. Billy goes underwater to look for his friends, but he can't see anything under there. He keeps going back down an inch or two into the water, but no dice. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to like look through the water with his bare eyes through this murky like brown water, and he's like, I don't know, I can't see him. Yeah, he like dips his face in like a baby. (laughs) And is just like, nope, nobody there. (laughs) He doesn't dive down to search with like his hands at all. No, he's not like reaching for flailing arms or nothing. He's just like, well, nice to know you. I can't see them. Therefore, they (laughs) are dead. They don't exist. (laughs) There's no such thing. Billy even says, come on, guys, don't do this. Yes, because they can hear him. Don't drown to death, you jerks. <sighs> who who does that? Like, who just so drowns selfish. on people? Yeah. Billy's finally ready to admit to himself that maybe his friends are gone, and he swims to shore. He takes one look back to see if maybe somebody is wildly thrashing in the water, struggling to breathe. Mm-hmm. But the water is calm, and so he just runs away. Yep, he gives up on his friends kind of... Kind of quickly. Like, I get that this is not that long of an episode and stuff, but, like, he's, like, he dipped his face underwater a couple times. He's like, nope, they're dead. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of I mean, there's a little bit like what more can he do, really, but also there is a little bit more he could do. Yep. <laughs> it's just like they're gone, they're <laughs> They're dead. Valhalla with them. Let it go. Oh, man. How many times are you going to keep bringing up the time he abandoned his friends to die? As Billy runs in the woods, we get shaky cam Dutch angles of Saber growling and walking somewhere around him. Bill needs to stop and catch his breath, and we see a shot of the bushes around him shaking like something out of Jurassic Park. Then we dolly zoom right into his face, and he hauls ass. There's a lot of interesting camera movements like you mentioned it's ron oliver man he knows he knows what he's yeah. doing this this whole sequence like the next five minutes or whatever is very clearly like setting the scene that things are weird yeah it's like the desperation you go through like all five stages of grief with billy for a moment until he gets his shit together it's um it's kind of long and it's kind of like the, the editing and the camera work and the music and stuff are all really great and this you know, we get the Billy suiting up scene and stuff. It's just, it's very long. It is. But it's it's this character reaching a breaking point. Yeah. Before doing something about it. Oh, I forgot to mention, Brandon. <laughs> One of the things that I thought was really funny is uh, when Billy is, I'm going to go backwards in time for a second here. When Billy is talking to Uncle Al, he's got these boots on, right? Mm-hmm. When he jumps in the water... I can't tell if he has his boots on or not, but they never show him taking the boots off. And all while he's running through the camp and getting back to his bunk and stuff, he is barefoot. Huh. Yeah. What happened to the boots? Where the boots are, L. Stein. <laughs> <laughs> bootgate. Hashtag bootgate. <laughs> <laughs> that is all. <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> I wanted, I didn't the first time, but then I rewound it because I've actually, I watched this episode twice and, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> just, you were just, just like, what happened to the boots? <laughs> Where did those boots go? <laughs> you were like, those are going to come back. <laughs> That's all key to this story. Well, okay. One of the worst things in the world, in my opinion, is jumping into water or something and you have like your socks and shoes on. <laughs> your shoes dry and they're never the same. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I wanted to know if that was going to happen to Billy. <laughs> and I'm uh, delighted to report that no. These <laughs> boots are fine. Thank God. Yeah. I was looking for the inconsistencies just to see if I could find any. Hey, there's people whose jobs are like to make sure continuity between shots is solid. Maybe that's, that's what true. you should do, Cortland. Do you know I found something out recently about something about Dawn of the Dead? There's a shot. You remember... Um, in the about the middle of the movie the zombies are still in the mall for the first time and they're in that store that's like clear of zombies and then roger gets attacked by a zombie out of nowhere in the store and he uses the screwdriver to poke him with it Mm -hmm. you know that scene like how that zombie was just what the fuck is that zombie doing there wasn't there before right right so that zombie is there because they were trying to fix a continuity error where roger doesn't have his coat in another scene but he has his coat like in that scene or something like that and they they shot that after the fact so that they could make a continuity error like make sense whoa yeah isn't that interesting yeah it is that's why that zombie was there for no fucking reason (laughs) so they needed to shoot another scene to explain that scene they should have but it's just a (laughs) never-ending cycle the movie's seven hours long yeah it's the extreme george a romero cut (laughs) I'd watch that though. I would too, honestly. There's like a three hour version of Dawn of the Dead that's up on YouTube, and I I just watched the two and a half hour version not that long ago, but I still kind of want to go back and watch that three hour version to see what's what was cut out of the movie. Damn. I know. You should. I will, eventually. Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your drowning canoe partner. Thank you so much for listening into our show this week. Whether it's your first time or you've listened to our entire collection, we always appreciate you spending some time with us. The Patreon exclusive giveaway has started now. 
For the entire month of July, I'll be collecting some sweet stuff to give away. All patrons will be entered in to win, so if you'd like a package of nostalgia sent right to you, become a patron for as little as $1 a month. You'll also get access to early release episodes the moment I'm finished editing, bonus episodes, and more. Visit patreon.com slash private island and become a patron today. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, the Bronze Beth, Eddie, Mia, Tristan, Venice Witch, and Kristen, the Silver Goth, Shane, Stephen, Matt, Gerilyn, Evelyn, Brittany, Aaron, and Shelly, the Golden Day Days, Faith, Sarah, and Angela, and the Platinum Bostics, Bryce, Kathy, and Matt. Thank you so much for your support, everyone. Our show wouldn't be the same without you. For more laughs and updates on the Patreon-exclusive giveaway, follow us on Instagram at Private Island Presents and on Twitter at PRVT Island. We make a bunch of content every week for the episodes we cover, and we even watch full-length episodes every Wednesday night at 8pm on Instagram Live. For a link to all of our social media pages, the Facebook and Discord group, and more, check out the link in the episode description. Are you a podcaster that wants to cross-promote? Send me an email with your promo at privateislandpresents at gmail.com. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for their work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Dating Start from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. Now, I'd like to play the promo for the Dads from the Crypt podcast. Hello, kiddies! Welcome to Dads from the Crypt! (laughs) Hello, boys and ghouls. Welcome to Dads from the Crypt. A weekly podcast where three dads who love horror movies review the Tales from the Crypt TV series and movies. My name is Jason. I'll be joined by fellow dads Jody and Mondo. Join us as we dive into the plot, talent, and source comics of the iconic HBO series. There will also be music recommendations, trivia, and dad advice. Look for the Dads from the Crypt podcast on your favorite podcast app starting on Father's Day. And follow us on our Facebook group, Twitter at Crypt Dads and Instagram at Dads from the Crypt. Follow Dads from the Crypt or I will follow you to the grave. (laughs) All right, that's all I got this week. Let's finish up Camp Nightmare Part 2. Talk to you next week, guys. Bye. So Billy's looking around for anybody. First, he checks the baseball field, and the camera spins around him as he spins, looking for literally anybody. Yeah, I love that. I think it's like the perfect, I don't know, like desperation kind of yeah emphasis he's just like where are you yeah like it just encapsulates loneliness like you are the only one around yeah well next he goes to the lodge and the camera here starts upside down and spins around as this really weird desperation shot (laughs) this really weird music plays like somebody scraping a tin can on piano wire or something (laughs) i'm sure that's playing here too it's the music's very weird and I think they're both really effective in this sequence of creating, like, this eerie atmosphere. Larry! It's so good. I like it a lot, too. He goes to the cabins next, and of course, that's empty as well. Billy sits on a bed, and the camera cuts back and forth between wide shots and close-ups as he talks to himself, and it seems a little bit like he's going insane. Yeah. Well, he's been gaslit for, like, two days now. Yeah. I mean, I probably would go insane. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, Brandon, we both know you would. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but not Billy. He keeps it together. And he suddenly has an epiphany. Now we get what I call an Edgar Wright sequence, but I guess we should call it a Ron Oliver sequence because (laughs) this was first. Where there's a bunch of quick close-up cuts of mundane actions. Like, we see Billy drop his swim trunks, put on a shirt, tie his shoes, and it's just like, you know, one after the other, close-up. I love it. It reminded me of, like, Shaun of the Dead. So good. Yeah. He's got a bat in his hand, and he is ready to kick some ass. Yes. I like this Billy. I mean, I like Billy regardless, but this Billy is, like, badass Billy. (laughs) Yeah. This is, like, Billy 2.0. He leveled up. (laughs) All it took was, like, sacrificing his friends or whatever. Like, no big deal. He gains the power of all his friends that die. That's that's the story of one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets, Brandon. (laughs) Oh, damn. Yeah, you didn't even know it. (laughs) You never even watched it. 
Shit. It's funny. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Spoilers. <laughs> he walks outside, and it's crazy windy all of a sudden for some reason. Right. It, it really um, adds to the tension and stuff somehow, though. <laughs> I don't know why. It, it does. Everything does. Billy sees a note written on a piece of paper that isn't blown away to Nova Scotia, which you can imagine should, it, it would be. Been. Yeah, well... <laughs> And it says, very helpfully in Mike's voice, Dear Mom and Dad, I'm homesick already. There's nothing up here but rocks and trees. The air smells funny. And they don't even have cable TV. No cable TV? I was supposed to watch Goosebumps. <sighs> I know. Well, you don't need cable for Goosebumps. Oh, true, true. That was its greatest contribution to TV is that you didn't need to pay for it. <laughs> But Billy throws that shit to the wind. He Dutch angles into the next scene, where we see letters to home blowing all over as kids' voices overlap each other. It's kind of like in We're Back, a dinosaur story, where we hear all the kids' wishes. I wish. (laughs) I wish you saw a dinosaur, Daddy. Yeah. Um, It's just all kids being like, oh, food sucks. Yep. Larry's dumb. Uh... Yeah, this Uncle Al guy. He's great. He's a great actor. Um, All the letters appear to be coming from the Forbidden Bunk. Mm, Billy steps inside and we finally, finally get to see what all the fuss is about. Well, the Forbidden Bunk just looks like a shitty old bunk. With cobwebs everywhere and, like, I don't know, ropes hanging from the ceiling? Like, like, what is that? I don't know. Yeah, it's really uh, underwhelming. Yeah, there's a rat there too. Oh, yeah, a cute mouse is there. Forgot. <laughs> yeah. Then, Billy bumps into someone. It's Dawn. It's Dawn. Remember Dawn? She had, like, two lines last episode. Yeah. I Okay, Brandon, not gonna lie. I thought she was gonna be more prominent than what she even is in this episode, and she's not. Yeah. I remember she's in it more, but... I mean, that's arguable. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it'd be down to, like, the millisecond to see which one she's in more. Yeah. I haven't seen this in a very long time, but in my memory, it was like, oh, that's like his girlfriend. Like, they yeah. have a, an epic love of, love story. The but, Dawn love arc, yes. Yeah, but it, it just, you know, it's not that much. Yeah. Billy tells her that he's trying to escape. She asks, how come? Which becomes an odd question in, like, just a second. Billy responds that Camp Nightmoon became a nightmare. Title drop. Dawn says that the camp is evil, which makes her question earlier like, well, duh. Yeah. Like, okay, so she sees Dawn and she is like disheveled. She's dirty. Like she has been running away from something anyway. Mm -hmm. So when she was like, why don't you like camp? It's like, Dawn, what is wrong with you? You're in the (laughs) forbidden bunk. You're not here for no fucking reason. You're in the boys (laughs) camp in the forbidden bunk. She's like, what? You don't like camp night moon? (laughs) (sighs) Dawn, Dawn. It's great here. My parents read brochures. (laughs) It says great. We looked at the pamphlet. Yeah. It's a bit silly. Dory, the girl that Dawn came with, got mauled by a fucking bear during a hike. Yeah, right? And the counselor said it was nothing. Yeah, fucking Ellen DeGeneres. Mauled (laughs) by a bear. (laughs) The two hear a noise, but it doesn't matter because that's just a plot device to get them to explore the room. And they find a box filled with letters from campers. Some of them are years old. How does she know that? (sighs) They're date marked, I guess. Like That's not a requirement to send a letter. Dear Mom, it's 1992, <laughs> as you know. <laughs> this was one of the disappointing things, I think, from the episode to me, was these letters from home. I thought they were going to be a little more important. Like, it's a cool, like, uh-oh moment, I guess. Like, <gasps> But also, it doesn't do anything. Why are they writing letters home and then just putting them in the forbidden bunk? Why? Why, are they, why is that a requirement? I don't know. <laughs> It doesn't make... Well, a lot of things don't make sense, like, by the end, but... Yeah. Whatever. You know what? Fucking whatever. It happened. <laughs> yeah, it happened. Deal with it. Arl Stein <laughs> doesn't get paid to give a fuck what you think. <laughs> he had to crank these books out week after week. 
<laughs> he did what he could. No, nah, I mean, like, overall, I like this episode, and I'm sure the book is great, too, but I kind of wanted more out of that. And maybe it's more in the book. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe it was a bigger, I, I, like, holy shit moment I did in the read book. the book, and some things I remember, but, like, the letters from home wasn't a big thing that stuck in my mind for some reason. Okay. The two hear a whistle... And they look through a boarded-up window to see a hunting party gathered around. Dawn loudly says that she doesn't want to get found. <laughs> Billy tells her that he's going to go see what's up. But he'll come back after lights out and meet up with her. So when I saw this part for the first time, I thought that the twist here, I thought this was going to be the twist here, is that he was going to look out of the forbidden bunk and see a loop of the kids entering the camp for the first time. Like, he'd be able to, like, stop all of this shit from happening kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But that's, uh, spoilers, that's not it. <laughs> nope. I thought the certainly forbidden, not that. I thought the Forbidden Bunk was going to be, like, some sort of, like, time paradox thing where he could, like, go in it and then go back to the past to prevent everybody from dying. Nope. That would have been cool. <laughs> like, he goes in the Forbidden Bunk and it's, like, brand new on the inside but looks like dog shit on the outside. <laughs> That would have been cool, but yeah, no. That's all right. That's okay. He goes outside and hides behind a tree to see Uncle Al and the counselors dressed in military fatigues standing in lines. There's also some kids there, too, that are just blank-faced and completely unimportant to the story. Yeah, they didn't need to exist at all. Larry appears behind Billy, saying, Look who I found, Uncle Al! Al wants to know where Billy has been. And Billy snitches on Larry hard, saying that he was at the lake where Jay and Colin drowned, and Larry, like, didn't do anything. Didn't even try. Nope. <laughs> nope. Al shouts that this ain't the time. Get in line, Billy. He then calls for George, the weirdo bald guy from last episode who didn't really have a reason for existing. Yep. George comes forward with a bag of crossbows. <laughs> Dude, what the fuck is this? Which they pass out to each kid. They're little mini, mini hand crossbows. <laughs> Fucking awesome. Yeah. That's crazy. They just give the kids out crossbows. And you know what? What I do remember from the book is that they're just guns in the book. Oh, are they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is even crazier. But Yeah, what the fuck, R.L. Stein? <laughs> but crossbows are still crazy. I mean, cross. Let's be honest here. Crossbows are f like that's the sweetest thing that they he could hand out to the kids. <laughs> yeah, hand crossbows. Like, it's my How trick or treat bag that? full of crossbows. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised at crossbows showing up in this episode. So, this George guy, I'll give him his due now. Like he he uh, didn't yes. really do anything in last episode, but he was in Master of Disguise. Remember, he was all <laughs> <laughs> yes. This George guy is played by Greg Kramer, and he was uh, actually in a lot of things. Okay. He passed away in 2013, though. Oh, that's sad. He's, he doesn't even look that old in this. No, he wasn't old. He was like 56 or something. Oh, that poor guy. His best role, as far as I'm concerned, was a reoccurring role in a show called Forever Night. Okay. And the synopsis of this show is an 800-year-old vampire... Nick Knight quests for redemption <laughs> as a cop in Toronto, trying to hide his vampiric nature from the rest of the world. Well, he probably shouldn't be a cop then. <laughs> a fucking vampire cop, Cortland. If you're going to try and hide your vampirism, why would you be a cop? Like Nick Knight. Nick Knight. <laughs> I used to watch that all the time. It came on after. <laughs> I Love Lucy? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Great. <sighs> okay, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the show. Yeah. Billy is like, hey, what the hell are we doing now? Larry tells him to shut up. Mm -hmm. Al continues, saying that there's a runaway from the girls' camp. Search everywhere. Aim carefully. We don't want her getting away. Now Billy is like, wait, what? We're supposed to shoot her? Yes. And Al is like, yeah. yeah she Billy. broke the camp's big rule. <laughs> Fucking duh, Billy. I'm handing these crossbows out for <laughs> nothing. Like, what do you think? Like, we just don't shoot people? <laughs> but Billy thinks this is insane. You can't yeah. just go around killing people. Al says, Who said anything about killing? Yeah. We simply want to shoot this child with trank darts. Yeah, so it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. 
He takes off his sunglasses and asks, Or do you have a problem with that, Billy? Shit gets real now. Because Billy brings the gun up and points it at Al's face. This whole sequence is really awesome. Just gonna say yeah, it. Yeah, it, it really is. Al says, Is this any way for my number one camper to be acting? Billy tells him, Camp's over. Oh, that's no such one a else good line. is going to die. Yeah, it really so is. Good. Billy's had enough of this shit, you know? Yeah, he's done. Camp is over. <laughs> <laughs> that's the line you give as you're shooting someone. He's like, Camp's over. <laughs> we want a refund. <laughs> <laughs> Al says, Huh? What? No one has died. What? Yeah. Billy reminds him about Mike, uh, oh, and Roger. And, yep. uh, you know, a little thing called Colin and Jay. Al reiterates that there's no one by any of those names anywhere, ever. Yeah. He asks Larry and George if they've ever heard of them, but they're both like, nah. Of course they are. Nope. <laughs> Al tells Billy that sometimes when you get very homesick, you just start imagining things, you know, seeing things. Billy ain't buying it. It gets very tense as Al demands Billy to drop the gun. Instead, Billy fires right into his chest. Yeah. It's so good because it's like there's so many camera cuts and stuff, but it's all done so like nicely. And I don't know. It just it was so cool. Yeah. The shit's like the good, the bad and the ugly. <laughs> exactly. It's great. And then Billy fucking shoots him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like very tense. And then he just shoots him. And all the kids are just, they don't even react to anything. <laughs> Al takes a few steps back. He stops, looks at Billy, yes. and says, Congratulations, Billy. <laughs> he passed! Billy passed! He passed! The go, kids Billy. all clap half-assedly, and even Larry claps Billy on the back, telling him that he did great. Yep. Al motions towards the woods, saying, You can come out now! Billy passed! And out walk Billy's parents. Yes. Uh, I mean, we don't really know that, but thankfully Billy's like, Mom? Dad? Parents? Is that you? <laughs> yeah. What did you think when the parents walked out? Um, my thoughts on the ending sequence here are that I don't hate it. I don't hate this part of it. Um, I thought it was interesting. I, I thought it was kind of a cop-out, though. Like, all this amazing tension is built up and everything, and then it just kind of falls on its face like duh we got you it's nothing but like i still <laughs> didn't hate it yet i didn't hate it yet brandon not yet okay so here here it was still you know could redeem itself yeah like <sighs> never mind we'll talk about the ending ending in like three minutes here <laughs> Alrighty. billy says what's going on here i feel like i'm going crazy mom's like hush child you did great <laughs> Yep. Classic mom. So, <laughs> mom here is played by Michelle Duquette. She has a long resume. She was in Police Academy 4 and Three Men and a Baby. You know, wow. two 80s classics. Okay, yeah, go get it. She also had roles in Dead Husbands, The Virgin Suicides, The Crypt Club, and Blue Murder. Well, that seems kind of typecasted, but okay. All very cheery sounding stuff. Dad, however, is played by Alec Backlow. And other than this, he played a neighbor in the Santa Claus, and that's about it. Well, why is everybody in the Santa Claus? I didn't even realize that was a Canadian filmed like I guess, you know, that was filmed in Canada, so everybody in this was in it at some point. That's so weird. I'd, I'd never... Uh, like, that's the last movie I would have expected to be filmed in Canada or have Canadian yeah. actors in it. Like, I know that Tim Allen lived in <clears throat> Michigan, which is pretty close to Canada, but even so, I'm like... Uh, Tim Allen's like, Canada or nothing, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, well, do it. Whatever you say, Mr. Allen. He was like, ha, ha, ha. Canada. <laughs> Shit. Oh? <laughs> Damn, you're good at that. I practice. <laughs> <laughs> then Dawn walks out and offers her congratulations as well. She was in on it, too. Yep. And now I was like, all right. Now we'll I'll put in Dawn's actress and we'll yeah. see what she's all about. Uh, this is and, okay. This has been a huge build up, so I'm excited yeah, to see this. Yeah, like I was like, all right, 
we'll talk about Dawn in the next episode because she's like a huge part of it. Yeah, she's a huge part of it. She's probably incredibly famous. So this is her time to shine. Dawn is played by Sarah Emily Mitchell, Mm -hmm. and she has four other credits. Okay, what are they? I didn't even write them down. What? (laughs) Nope, I was like, I was so disappointed. (laughs) Yeah, but it's your own fault. I'm sorry, by Sarah. I'm sorry, Sarah. It's not Sarah's fault? No, it's not Sarah's fault. Even though she's not very good in this. I assumed that she had a long career where she got okay. You thought she was going to be the ferocious beast from making ferocious beast, didn't you? Yeah. But no, she is in four other things, and two of which are 18 years apart. So hopefully she found her calling in life that isn't acting. Okay. All right. Al spills the beans now, saying that Camp Nightmoon isn't a summer camp at all. It's actually a government testing lab. Sure it is. (laughs) Colin and Jay come out of the woods to say that they were in an air pocket under the canoe the whole time. Yes, the canoe that Billy was looking right under when he dipped his face into the water. Yep. Yeah, didn't see their legs, like, (laughs) their arms. I mean, pretty much only their heads would be under there. Didn't feel their current or anything. (laughs) No, they're professionals, these two. Yes, all of these children are, somehow. Mike pops up now when his name is said, and he puts a rubber snake around Billy's neck. Even though you can go back and watch that scene and see that it's very much a real snake. Yeah, it like coils in on itself and everything. It's moving all over the place. Yeah, so that's dumb. Yeah, and Billy would be the kid to be like, that's a rubber snake. (laughs) (laughs) No need to fear, everyone. No, but it like hisses and (laughs) bites and is a real snake. So I feel like they're gaslighting me as a person watching this episode now. A bit, yeah. Then Roger's mouth, and also the rest of Roger, comes out of the woods Roger? and says, Hey, Billy, all one piece. <laughs> one piece. He's not pieces no more. Nope. And he never He's was. Roger. Go home, Roger. Mom lays it all out, saying, Listen, number one son, Billy. Dad and I have been chosen to lead an expedition to a very dangerous place. Yeah. They didn't want to just ditch him, but he had to pass some tests before the government would allow him to come along. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Billy's confused. What tests? He asks. Colin says, Oh, you know, quick thinking, like when you trap that snake. And Al says, You did it up to courage. <laughs> like when you went out at night while Saber was killing everyone. <laughs> and his friends, or his fake friends, or whatever, they continue on with compliments about how great he is. Yeah. Let's be honest, though. Billy was pretty great, though, so. Yeah. He was. I'd want to be his friend, but he'd be too cool to be my friend. He would. He would, yeah. We'd ask him to be on the podcast and he'd be like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Al tells him you knew when to follow the rules and when to break them. They did a really good job of portraying that, too, like I said earlier, like with him knowing when to fold them. Billy still can't wrap his mind around the magnitude of this lie and asks if everyone was in on it. Campers? Counselors? And Larry says that they're all actors. Working at the lab. The lab. lab. All these children, yes. I don't know why. (laughs) Yes. They hired children. Uh, They must be doing experiments on them. They need a big army of child actors who aren't very good to just stand around and do nothing. (sighs) That's fine. You know what? It's fine. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) From behind Billy, we see Saber sliding his way into frame. (laughs) Everybody takes a step back and yells out. Even the actors who are in on all this. And it's just a goof, because George is there saying, Say hello to Saber, Billy! Saber is a joystick-controlled animatronic puppet. Which is fine. That's that's fine. But, like, it's only half of Saber that is the animatronic. Yes. So when he's, like, scooting along and roaring and we see it, like, we should have been able to see George sitting there making him do all that shit. Yeah, like, that works really well for a TV show where you can only have half of Saber in the frame. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to fool somebody in real life, it doesn't work as well because you'd be like, hey, is that George? <laughs> that is what George. Is do- I know where that dome, the bald ass head is. Why is he walking behind Saber? <laughs> well, he's beep boop pooping Saber. <laughs> if it ended right here, Brandon, I'd be happy. I'd be happy. Because I can imagine, you know, like 
there's some sort of like really cool parents that are like on doing dangerous stuff and they just like got this got their son to be like a part of their job and like oh it's like spy kids (laughs) yes it's like spy kids like that's fine i'd be okay with that but that's not where it ends brandon this is not the end no it keeps going (sighs) dad tells billy that he needs to pack his things because the expedition leaves first thing in the morning. Billy asks, where to? Very far away, Mom says. A place called Earth. Yeah. They look up at the sky and see planet Earth pretty large in the sky. Why? Why? Meaning that they aren't that far away from Earth. So they're on, like, what? Our, the moon, right? I guess they're on a place like the moon which makes a comment like some place called earth like it's you know you've never heard of it I don't <laughs> like it's it. so ridiculous this place has atmosphere it has trees the people look like us what is going on why did they do this why arlstein why what made you think that this was the appropriate ending for this episode or this story they could have ended it with like, you're a part of the team now, Billy. Like, you're fucking a superhero or whatever now. Like, you're a, a super spy. But no. Yes. They have to invade <laughs> Earth for some reason. Why? Why? They're aliens? Why? See, like, it's still stupid. But in the book, you know, when you're reading a book, you'd just assume from reading it that they're humans and that they look like humans. Yeah. While you're reading it, but it's never just like, you know, and Billy, the human looking human, you know, walks up to the cabin. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of subvert expectations that way by being like, oh, by the way, we all look like aliens at the end. Okay. But it sure. doesn't really work in a TV show where they're all humans. So this ending in the book is like, I'm not going to assume that they're going to change the ending to a Goosebumps book, but... This is how it ends in the movie, or the book, too? Is that they're fucking aliens still? Yeah, I believe so. Alright, whatever. <laughs> I can, if I just ignore this part of it, it's a fantastic episode. Yeah. These twist endings, like The Girl Who Cried Monster, the ending worked a little better, but I feel like in both cases, the ending kind of only works as you're watching it, and even then, in this case, not very well, but... As soon as you, like, think back even a few seconds ago, yep. you're like, wait, like, knowing the ending, this doesn't make any of these characters' motivations make sense. Yep. None of this makes sense. Why would they do this if this is what we know to be true? Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. But as a kid, I can tell you that this blew my fucking mind because <laughs> it was, like, the first thing with a twist ending I ever seen. And I was like, oh, shit, the fucking aliens yeah i can envision you doing that (laughs) yep like six-year-old me like damn i'm not saying i don't like twist endings but i just want them to be a little more impactful like had them being aliens doesn't even change the story anyway so what's the point no it doesn't secret government the lab like that works on its own yeah it's like a double layer of pointless twist They should have just kept it at the lab, and he was going to be a fucking spy kid. Dad says that he heard the aliens there are pretty dangerous. It's true. The ones that look exactly like us. Yep, it's true, though. We are. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, it is true, but they don't seem that great themselves. Right. They bring a little crossbows to fucking summer (laughs) camp. Yeah. Billy says, I bet they're not as crazy as Larry and Uncle Al. (laughs) They were acting, though. Dad says, you never know, Billy. You never know. And we fade to black. Yep. That was the episode. Yeah, that's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) That whole whole alien thing is dumb. Yeah. Some place called Earth? You know, that thing that's right up in our sky, like, all the time. I think that this episode overall is really good. Um, This ending is stupid, but I can forgive it. Honestly, it's not that big of a deal. It's stupid, but... Everything that came before it was great, so... Yeah, I feel like it was really just put in there just for, like, you know, that big twist moment. Like, hey, what if, you know, they were all fucking robots or something? Like, 
Yeah. It just seems lazy to me. Um, you can't just add two twists, okay? <laughs> it just makes the, the first one not even, who cares? Pick like, one and stick with it. Yeah. Government testing is fine. Should have stuck with that. I mean, to be fair, the government testing, like, also doesn't make sense, but it isn't stupid. I just want Billy to be a spy kid. He's going to take out them thumb-thumbs and shit. That would be cool. They could, like, they could have a whole spinoff of, like, Billy, <laughs> Billy kid. Nope. See, what happened was, is R.L. Stein was done with this one. He shelved it, and he was like, never again. <laughs> They're aliens. That's dumb. <laughs> Moving on. Yep, exactly. <laughs> He's like, shit, I'm already on page 100. And they're aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> like, what was the point of the Forbidden Punk? Ah, it doesn't matter. They're aliens. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all that huge conflict buildup, and then it's just like, it was all like, oof, all done. <laughs> Why did Dawn exist? Ah, it doesn't matter. She's an alien. <laughs> so, Cortland, what do you think was the moral of this story? Hmm. I feel like the moral of the story is to try and be a little bit more like Billy, okay? He might be an alien, I guess, but he's also courageous and brave, and he saves his... Well, he doesn't save his friends. He tries to save his... He doesn't even really A try. little bit. Um, He suits up and gets down to business. He shoots people. He's great. Yeah. It takes an alien to show us what a true human should be like. <laughs> I feel like the message I got from this episode was, like, don't trust your parents or mm, any adults, never. really. Everybody's gaslighting They're all you. lying to you. Yep. Don't trust your friends, especially not ones you just made a couple of days ago. Don't go to camp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> learn how to fucking canoe. Uh, yeah. Brandon, that one's for you. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. I feel attacked. <laughs> No, actually, I don't know if there's like rivers and shit in uh, in Australia, but they're probably swarming no, with crocodiles no or rivers. something. I mean, Steve Irwin was the crocodile hunter, so I can only assume there's just crocodiles everywhere. Don't do it, Brandon. Don't get in the canoe. Okay. Don't tell me what to do. All right, whatever. Get in the canoe. I'm gonna be the number one camper. <laughs> get mauled by a 25 year old, a horrendously giant crocodile. Like whatever. <laughs> whatever. It's just a robot anyway. <laughs> Ah, now we're getting down so to somebody the somebody like, <laughs> George! <laughs> oh, now I notice it's only half of a crocodile. Yeah, You see him in Jurassic Park and Jaws. Like <laughs> Malcolm's like, oh, George is there. George. George uh, finds a way. Finds a way onto the set. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Cortland, do you think you could come up with any alternate titles for um, this whole thing? Welcome to Camp Nightmare. That's a pretty good name. I like it, actually. Um, yeah, Final Destination. <laughs> for babies? For babies, yeah. Final Destination babies. I mean, Final Destination didn't exist yet, but yeah, that. Yeah. They could have got there first. Yeah, Arl Stein. You missed it. Missed it a little bit. I feel like the Night Moon Nightmare kind of works. I mean, he kind of, like, said something similar earlier yeah i always want to say the tale of like i know me so too. hard to shake i know dude I, I it's just like the perfect start to a title i don't know um maybe like the forbidden camp or the forbidden bunk yeah except if i read a book titled the forbidden bunk and that's what it turned out to be i would be like fuck this book yeah i think camp nightmares is probably the perfect name yeah it's all right it's probably better than, like, I don't know, Camp Jelly Jam or something, you know? like We don't talk about Jelly Jam. Oh, uh -huh, we probably will eventually. I'm sure they made an episode out of that. We don't talk about that. Um, <laughs> so, Cortland, our next episode is titled The Phantom of the Auditorium. Okay. Do you uh, want to judge a book by its cover now? Yeah, that's my favorite part of this whole show now. <laughs> Okay, well, before I look at the cover, I've never seen the Phantom of the Opera, so okay. I all I know is that he wears like half a mask and his face is ugly, so I'm assuming that it's going to be somewhat of that nature. There's going to mm -hmm. be somebody with a mask on who's going to be in the auditorium of a school. I mean, we already seen an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, kind of, based on it. Yeah, uh, Tale of the Last Dance, right? Yes. Yeah, so, I don't know, maybe there's going to be some canon in D? I'd be down for that. 
All right, song. All right, let's look at the cover, though. My brother had most of the Goosebump books, and I remember seeing this one. So I've seen it before. It looks pretty freaking sweet, though. I'm not going to lie. I like it. Mm-hmm. It's got this, like, it's pink. Uh, the, the coloring is mostly pink. There's, like, this pinkish reddish curtain in the background and then there's this guy that's in like these dark purple like he's got a cape on he's got a mask on he's got gloves uh he looks freaking sweet uh the coloring is amazing uh let's see here uh the tagline he's out to stop the show for good oh shit okay yeah that's serious so there's gonna be some sort of like play or something it's going to be really crappy it's probably in an elementary school and some jerk parent is going to try and stop it maybe his maybe his daughter didn't get the lead in it and he's really mad uh so he just like fucks around and drops sandbags on kids and shit who knows and he's killing people mm, maybe i don't know he's doing something that i'm people are gonna be like why are you doing that phantom <laughs> well that sounds great Yeah, I don't know how it could be that entertaining, but we'll see next week, I guess. Yeah, we'll definitely see next week on The Phantom of the Auditorium. Whoa. But I've been up all night, Cortland, and I'm very tired. Yeah, I know, you poor sweet baby. You gonna go (laughs) slither in bed? Yes, I'm gonna slither under my bunk. (laughs) And I will wake up tomorrow. Somebody else watches my door. All right. Yeah, I guess I'm out of here too, Brandon. I'll just sit in here and stare at this sweet cover of Phantom of the Auditorium. It's a good cover. I like that one. It's very good art, yeah. It's got like lots of uh, shading and stuff. It looks good. (sighs) I really like those covers, except the ones that I hate. Yeah. (laughs) Like Girl Who Cried Monster. Yeah, they like redid all the covers at some point, and I don't like those, those ones as much. Should I look at the redone cover as well, Brandon? You can look at it, but yeah. Um, this one is just not as good. It's the same feeling. Um, it's just not as good. Yep. Still, that describes it perfectly. Yeah. All right, I'm done now. All right. Well, I'll talk to you next week, Cortland. Bye. Bye, Brandon. He's gonna kill you.